previously on the Sick Invite podcast. It sounds bad. And then he's like, I think he reassured them. It's like, no, he can't eat gluten. And then my parents were like, what's gluten? (laughs) You are now listening to the Sick Invite podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. Big or small, chronic or temporary, the sick invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? No, what is? Why was the stumble there? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm off my rocker today. No, know. you're doing good. This is a, <laughs> listen, I'm feeling very rejuvenated. We're past a year on the podcast, and things are getting. Uh, I feel like a weight has been lifted at getting over that benchmark. So I'm excited for the continuation of the podcast. Yeah, we got some changes coming up. Is that in the, true? In the coming weeks, yeah. Oh, I don't know anything about that. So this <laughs> I'm working out the uh, the deets. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I'll be interested to see. Am I still on the podcast? Yes. Oh, fun. Okay. And how are you today? Uh, I'm very achy today, actually. I had my infusion yesterday, so yeah. um, our guest today kindly rescheduled her interview for today, because uh-huh. I would have been too tired yesterday. Yeah, but you're um, re- ready to go today for the most part? Uh, almost there, so yeah. Uh, once I get my groove going, but I'm a little achy, and I don't like being achy. No, I don't think anyone does. Nah. This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Do you like our show? Please tell everyone about it. Follow us, like us, and share our content at the Sick Invite Podcast. We also have merchandise available, including our hoodies, mugs, stickers, and buttons. If you like the work that the Sick Invite Podcast is doing, consider supporting us financially. We graciously accept donations of any amount. Your donation will help cover the cost of equipment, advertising, research access, and time spent preparing each interview. For $3 a month, our Patreon members receive monthly gifts, early access to all episodes, and bonus content. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do so through our module uh, on our website, or you can go to the sickinvitepodcast.com and click on the Patreon button. Thank you. <laughs> if you want to be on the show, please send us your story through our website. There's a form to fill out at the bottom of the page, and we will contact you with further instructions. Today, we will be discussing sensitive topics, including miscarriage and postpartum depression. If you're not in the right headspace to hear these topics, please don't continue listening today. On today's show, we have Kelly Perlman. So, Kelly, what's wrong with you? Uh, So, after having my first daughter in March of 2020, uh, right when the COVID pandemic started, um, I dealt with issues of postpartum depression and anxiety. So, did you have anxiety prior to giving birth or was it just exacerbated after this situation? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a pretty anxious person, to be totally honest. Um, Mostly mostly like socially anxious has been something that I've pretty much dealt with my entire life. Um, But it has become much worse since my experience, you know, having her through the pandemic and just in the aftermath. Mm -hmm. So I guess let's start with your pregnancy and delivery, because you and I were talking uh, early in your pregnancy, I was supposed to take your delivery photos. <laughs> yeah, that'll come up in this, uh, this conversation. That was the first of many, many missed things and, and things we missed out on because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but with my pregnancy, so it, it really, the anxiety started there because I actually, I had a really early miscarriage right before I got pregnant with Charlie. Um, so... And I, and I got pregnant with her two weeks after that happened. So I was, we were still like coping with it. Um, was really just not in a, a great mental state, like from the get go, um, because of that. So 
I remember really early on, like right after we found out for several weeks, I was in the bathroom at work like 10 times a day, like checking for blood. Like I was, I was convinced that it was going to happen again. So right from like day one, um, it was already like a really, a really nerve wracking experience. Um, and that didn't really go away until I, I don't know, maybe like when I was five or six months pregnant, once she was like, you know, really obviously in there. Um, but right, right away, it, it kind of, you know, it was tough because of where it started. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I was also up. really sick. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was really, really sick throughout the beginning of my pregnancy, too, so that didn't help. Yeah, that was probably scary. I'm glad you, you brought that up because a lot of people have such shame or you know, to talking about miscarriage. Like, they think they did something wrong, um, and it's so common that it happens. So, um, yeah. thank you for breaking some stigmas today and, and bringing it up and talking about it because it's definitely not easy and you probably I don't know how open you were with telling people that you did miscarry but when you were announcing your pregnancy people were probably expecting you to be way more excited than you actually were so did you have to deal with any of that yeah I mean it was tough because like obviously we were super excited but there was always that lingering thought in the back of my mind like most people already wait the the 12 weeks that it's acceptable to announce your pregnancy and we certainly did that and that entire time like I was I was having a tough time because I was really afraid that it was just going to happen again because um you know they they tell you once it happens to you how common it is and like I had already known that it was super common um and they say you know it doesn't make it any more likely that it'll happen again but like it's already pretty likely that it'll happen so it's a one in four chance like it it it's really, really common, um, you know, and you really find out how common it is after it happens to you and you mention it and like people are like, oh, me too, me too, me too. Um, but people really don't talk about it unless that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard thing, like until it happens to you and, and when it first happens to you, it feels like you're the only one and like you did something wrong. But, um, you know, I think talking to people about it and even after it happened to me, it happened to, to a couple friends, um, you know, and it, I try to, you know, flip, flip the switch. And like now I try to be the, the comforting person because it, it's really common. Mm-hmm. Now, was there anything that, like, did people say anything that just made you want to punch a hole through the wall about your journey uh, in miscarriage? Because I think that a lot of people don't know what to say. So they probably say a lot of stupid things. Yeah. Um... I really hate when people tell me everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which it, they mean well. And they're, and I'll also talk about like to- toxic positivity later um, in regards to like the postpartum depression experience. But with that, like, I don't know why, like there, there's no good thing about this. Like there, this is not, I don't know. It just, it, that bothers me. Like I would rather you just tell me, yeah, that sucks. How can I help? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I think people, they, that you're right with the toxic positivity, they think that that's the right route to go. And I think that we were just like trained to do that for so long. Um, but it is, and you're not the first person on our show to just say, like, please just acknowledge that the situation is horrendous and let's try to yeah. move forward and just sit here and be with me and acknowledge the trauma that you're experiencing. Um, but let's let's fast forward. So you are, you're pregnant. Uh, it's far into the pregnancy, so you're starting to feel secure. And then where does COVID fall <laughs> in the timeline? Yeah. So I was due April 4th, um, 
my daughter was actually born three weeks early and it was a Sunday on March 15th and that was the week that everything closed down like two days later is when everything closed down that Saturday that was when things were like really starting to heat up everybody's freaking out nobody knows what's going on um I was still in in the office so that Saturday I was I couldn't fall asleep like I was I was up all night like freaking out about going back to work like I'm pregnant like I can't I don't want to be and I work in a gigantic building with 4,000 people there's this thing going around I I don't I don't want to go to the building um so like full-blown an anxiety attack the night before she was born and apparently she heard me um because at 9 a.m on Sunday morning my water broke like straight out of the movies um and she was born that night at 806 and she was three weeks early wow is three weeks a long time I, I don't know anything about pregnancy <laughs> yeah no it's okay um so it's funny because she was born at 37 weeks plus one day so technically two weeks and six days premature is considered before 37 weeks so she just make the, missed the cutoff technically speaking um but she actually as far as I'm concerned there was something premature about her because she was in the NICU for two weeks for underdeveloped lungs um and if she had cooked a little bit longer it's very likely that that wouldn't have happened at all or been um you know significantly reduced Mm -hmm. now what was the protocol like at this point for delivery like were you did you have to give birth alone no thank god um all of that started a couple weeks later um but we, so we were in and out of the hospital for two weeks while she was there, and the guidelines changed constantly um, in regards to who could visit, how often they could visit, what they could do when they were there. Um, so even in just the, the two weeks that we were there, it was, it was tough to keep up with what we were allowed to and what we weren't allowed to do. But when I actually gave birth, that wasn't a thing yet. So my husband was allowed in. There was no problem. Thank God. He was, he was there. He was able to be there. Mm-hmm. So you were you was anybody allowed to stay with your daughter I don't know how the NICU works like did you have to just go home without a baby the both of you yeah yeah so um the day that I got there when in in labor Justin was the only person allowed in and that was the first step of things that I was able to miss you know this you uh you know I, I couldn't have you there to have those photos that I wanted to have because I was only allowed to have my husband which looking back on it now some people couldn't even have that so it is what it is um, but I was in the hospital for two or three nights, I think. Um, and Charlie was there for two weeks. So it, it actually, like, it took me a while to even realize that she wasn't going to be coming home with us because after she, she came out, like I had her on my chest, you, you get that like, you know, skin to skin. And, you know, we had a few minutes with her and I remember the nurse saying like, you know, she sounds funny there, you know, there's something, something weird with her breathing. She checked her a few times. She put her back. She's like, let's just give it a few minutes, like, see if she's just working something out. Um, but after a little while, like, it was still it was still happening. So we were probably in the delivery room after for, like, an hour or so. Justin got to hold her. And the nurse said, like, I, I want the doctor to, to take a look at her. So I got wheeled to recovery, and my husband and Charlie went to the NICU um, and were there for... I've got, I don't know, maybe like an hour. Um, I'm texting Justin. He's sending me pictures of her. And that like the first time I saw her, really, she was hooked up to every machine that you could possibly think of. Mm. Um, like sprawled out like this, like looking like a, a fish in a fishbowl, like poked and pro- It was, you know, 
step one. Like it's already, it already sucks to see your kid like that. Um, but even then I was like, all right, like, it's just, she's fine. Like she's only, it's only three weeks. This really isn't premature. Like it's just a quick, you know, she'll be in and out. She'll be in the room with us in no time. Um, next day came and went like at that point, my husband and I were still allowed to both visit her whenever we wanted while we were in the hospital. Um, by day two, it was reduced to one at a time. So even though we were both allowed to stay in my room, only one parent was allowed in the NICU to visit her at a time. So that happened. And that that stayed for the majority of the time that she was there. Um, day three, I was released and my daughter was not. And I realized that I would be going home without a child. Um, and that in itself is tough and... Um, I like it it caused me it was hard for me to heal like giving birth is like it's tough like my I was in a lot of pain and I was keeping myself really busy and like I was hurting myself because I wasn't sitting down and relaxing so that was added to this um but then as far as like the visitation changes while she was still in the NICU um for I would probably say like 10 days it was the one parent at a time so we would drive there um, morning and evening. We would go first thing in the morning. I would go in for like an hour and a half. I would come back out, sit in the parking lot. My husband would go in for an hour and a half, come back out. We'd go home, eat lunch, and do the same thing over again um, in the evening. And we did that for probably about 10 days. And then it changed to mom only. And for the last four days that she was in the NICU, my husband was not allowed to go in there at all, um, which was really tough. Mm-hmm. Now, how did he handle this? It was hard. Um, the The good news is that he actually he's a teacher and he needed to finish his finish his tenure portfolio literally in those days and had had put it off um, because she was in the NICU. So he was busy. He had something to do, um, but it was hard. Like it's our first baby. I was a mess because you know I was doing it by myself, going there by myself. Um, you know, so he had to deal with that, but he is much more, I don't want to say level-headed, but he, he composes himself a lot better than I do. So he was able to kind of just look at it and, and, you know, compose himself a little bit better than myself. But, um, even like that wasn't even the end of the restrictions, like the, the last day or so it went to, okay, mom only. Um, but now it's mom only once a day. Um, so it was only, I could stay as long as I wanted, but I was only allowed to go in and out once a day and they would drape, um, one of the hospital blankets over me so that my child wasn't touching me, um, or any of my outside clothes. Um, and I, at this point, like we're two weeks into this pandemic, it's, it's like, nobody knows what's going on. We're all super scared. Mm -hmm. And I have a child who's on a ventilator, um, with underdeveloped lungs and this disease going on is is a respiratory illness like hurting you know attacking exactly what she's already behind the eight ball on so I was so scared that I was going to pick something up between the lobby and the NICU Mm -hmm. and give it to her Mm -hmm. um I remember like going through the hot I could tell you every button I had to press to get in so I had to press the intercom to open the door. I had to press the elevator button. I had to press the door, um, the doorbell to the NICU. I had a clean hand and a dirty hand. Scrubbed my hands as soon as I got into the NICU, put on the mask. 
Um, it also, it got to the point where, like, I would wear a glove on one hand, but still, like, dirty hand, take the glove off immediately as soon as I, as soon as I got in there. The glove wasn't even enough. I remember, like, the last couple of days going in and out, I carried around a pencil yeah, in yeah. a Ziploc bag mm-hmm. with a, um, a Clorox wipe in it. And I would use the eraser of the pencil to press the buttons and stick the pencil back into the Clorox wipe and stick it in my pocket to use it again on the way out. Like, I didn't even want to use the gloves because I was so terrified that I was going to be the one to bring this to my child. Mm -hmm. So they probably, with all this happening, they probably wanted to get her out of the NICU as fast as possible. I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong with this. Maybe they always want to get them out as soon as possible. But I feel like maybe sometimes they're like, oh, let's just give it a couple more days just to be better be safe than sorry but were they like all right she's good get her out <laughs> um not necessarily they because she actually she was off they were weaning her off the percentage of oxygen it's like she was on events she got she was taken off the vent then she was just on a nasal cannula and um you know reducing the amount of o2 she was getting until she was on room air she was taken off um any sort of assistance I want to say like two days before she was released, but then they wanted to make sure that she was stable. So they kept her for another day and a half, two days after she was done to make sure that she was still like she wasn't desatting anymore. Her vitals were okay. So they they did hold on to her to make sure that she was okay, which as much as I wanted to get out of there, it was a comfort because I was terrified that I was going to take her home and she was going to stop breathing. Mm -hmm. So what was it like when you finally got to take your baby home? You can take a moment if you need it. Uh, um, I just wanted to come home and shut the door behind us and lock it and not open it to anybody. Um, We were just like, I just felt so out of control because, you know, with everything going on, you know, like I was saying before, like we were, I was so scared that I was going to be the one to get her sick or one of the, like, what if there was now COVID babies in the bed next to my, you know, next to my baby. Mm -hmm. And I was so afraid that like one of the nurses would touch the COVID baby and then come and touch my baby and get her sick that way. So bringing her home, it was a big relief to at least get rid of that. Um, we, ordered all of our groceries or you know we had family members get our groceries we did not leave our house for months for anything because it wasn't it wasn't worth it we didn't see I mean obviously nobody saw anybody but we there was there was no exceptions um after we left the hospital so you have to keep in mind like my my parents have never met her at this point because they weren't allowed in um so on the way home we basically did like a, a drive-by my parents live 10 minutes from the hospital um and this was their first grandchild and they had to meet her through a car window it's another one that gets me yeah. <laughs> um you know I was like that's something that I'll never forget and that was one of the things like the never-ending list of things that COVID took um from us from, you know, with the experiences that we wanted to have with our first baby. Mm-hmm. So I remember like literally pulling up to my parents' house. I'm in the backseat with this baby that I finally get to take home. And she's their first grandchild. And like, they can't wait to see her. And they had to meet her through 
a car window. We couldn't get out. Mm -hmm. They couldn't touch her. And like, I will never forget, um, like the look on my mom's face. Um, and her just saying like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. And like the fact that that was the response that was, that was meeting her first grandchild. Like the remark that I remember is, wow, this sucks because of how it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, so as thankful as we were to get her home and like, you know, it, it started a new chapter in COVID life or COVID parent life. Um, that, that was tough that, you know, watching her meet people like that. Yeah. But I'm glad that, you know, you're, it sounds like your family was very respectful of that and understood the severity of COVID where other people were given a hard time of like, oh, oh, let me just see the baby. Let me just hold her. It's, it's my first grandbaby, but it seems like they understood the gravity of the situation that it'll be worth it when I finally get to hold her because she'll be safe and we'll be safe. Yeah, we actually had, you know, I can't say that about all the grandparents. Um, Mm. I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but we did have, um, you know, other grandparents that it was also there for his grandchild. And at first they were super respectful, but they eventually just did not agree with us um, and felt that we were keeping them from her. So that was a whole nother, you know. Yeah. Right, right putting your foot down and dealing now with this whole like rift in the family. Yeah. Um, when, to be honest, I don't care about a rift. I care about the safety of my child. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say with the, with, especially with the COVID, with the stuff about COVID, uh, at, especially at that time where you're discussing, which is so, and you having a very heightened situation, um, it was so frustrating, especially for someone who is prone to being anxious, like which I can be, and, and, and it seems like you were going to get into a little bit as well. When you're talking about all of the methods that you took in terms of getting into the hospital with the pencil and everything along those lines, it's like to a person, you know, in in real time, it, it it's like it seems like if it totally out of comparing to something else, it seems like, the, oh, this is a little bit extensive. This is this. But with COVID, even looking back, we have no idea. Like the fact that you did that could have totally prevented something from bad from happening, but we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Like we'll never, yeah. we'll never be able to go back and say like the the preventative measures that we took, which were so like arduous and crazy. Like we'll, it'll never be definitive that we did the right thing or the wrong thing, or were we being paranoid or were we being anxious or were we being, and that's the most frustrating part because it's like, you know what I mean? We only know when it's bad. And even when it's bad, we don't even know what the particular cause was. That's why it's so for someone who can be anxious or paranoid or or something like that, it can. It, this is like the worst case scenario, especially for you talking about there. That's the one thing yeah. that I noticed about it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you bring that up because Ricky, I think about that all the time. Um, if some of these things that I did, maybe it looked ridiculous, maybe it was ridiculous, right. um, but maybe that pencil took a germ and put it in a Clorox wipe exactly. instead of into my baby. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never know. Even if it know. wasn't COVID. There's nothing wrong with being cleanly, and maybe you didn't bring yeah. diarrhea home or something. <laughs> That's true. I don't want that either. Yeah. But I, I always compare it to like the thing where, especially for someone who who's, who can be anxious, like I have, like even on like such more mundane things, like where you're like uh, for like a, maybe an exam or something, like and you study a lot and you do good on the exam, and you, most, most regular people would think to themselves like, oh, maybe I didn't have to work so hard to get the grade. But it's like, or did you because you prepared is the only reason you got the grade, and you'll never be able to tell. Is it is it the preparation that gave you the outcome or was the outcome going to happen and it was just and it was unnecessary and you're giving yourself that anxiety and it's hard to turn off the anxiety or disprove the anxiety when in the past it was that kind of preparation was successful. Do you know what I mean? 
So that's exactly. why when you have more definitive results of that kind of stuff, you can kind of train the behavior. But when there's no uh, resolution, mm-hmm. it's so hard to get off of that type of behavior, yeah. even if it's unhealthy or if it's, it's uh, painful, essentially, you know, difficult. Yeah. I think it's always better safe than sorry, because even if, you know, people were as safe as they are, you're only as safe as your bubble is. And your bubble is someone else's bubble who's someone else's bubble who's someone else's bubble. What I'm saying is, is, I mean, with COVID, I think it's certainly so. But I'm saying with just as the that type of behavior can if you if it directly goes in line and and maybe this is what we're going to get into. It's like that. Like if it's about certain other things. Like, and then it just becomes, to be, you know, what is your, what is life then at that point? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it gets it's very difficult. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to think this far into it because I have enough anxiety. We'll get out of that hole now. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I don't know too much about postpartum depression. I think that maybe there's some misunderstandings about it. So can you talk to us about what it actually means and then what it looked like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's different for everybody, honestly. Um, I have really specific triggers. Um, I also think that I can kind of compartmentalize, like, the COVID-related stuff and just the regular old, like, anxiety now presenting in, like, a postpartum way stuff. Um, But in general, like, it's it's referred to as the baby blues. Um, You know, it's a feeling of depression after and it can happen really anytime after you give birth to a child um, for any number of reasons and it's also super common um, there's also different stems of it so there's postpartum depression postpartum anxiety there's also postpartum rage um, I've heard about um, and experienced a little bit um, it comes in a lot of different flavors if you will um, and it, it's definitely different for everybody um, but knowing like knowing the kind of personality that I have I have very specific triggers um but I think like the the COVID part itself is its own own separate topic Mm -hmm. so you think that even if COVID was not here and you did not have a baby in the middle of a pandemic you probably still would have had postpartum absolutely yeah absolutely I think uh, the the most common form of it that I've heard of is, you know, people giving birth and then them just feeling like disconnected from their baby or not like feeling overwhelming love that like the movies show um, mm-hmm. and just how common that is. I don't know if that's every form of it or if like however many people experience that, but um, or are you comfortable sharing what your triggers were? Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, what you're saying, that that's definitely something that I've heard of as well. That's not necessarily uh, the case for me, but um, it's it's definitely something for, for others. Um, the first major, I mean, we'll start with COVID. <laughs> um, the biggest thing, being a COVID parent, being a new parent, is something that I've found referred to as decision fatigue. Um, everything, everything is a life or death decision. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Um, going to a barbecue with six friends, life or death decision. Why? Like, I have a new baby. I just want pe- people to see my baby and know my baby. And going to this is an exposure. It's a life or death decision. Um, letting my parents hold their grandchild for the first time, life or death decision. Having her godparents know her 
and having them be able to be around her without a mask so she knows what they look like, life or death decision. So that's hard. Um, it's really, really draining to constantly feel like you need to make a decision and the decision has so much weight to it. Every day, every move that I made could be, like Ricky was saying before, could be the thing that saves us or kills us. Mm-hmm. So it was, and even still now, like now that things are, things are coming back, things are, you know, this, another wave, like it, it, all those feelings come back of like, okay, we need to take a step back. Should we do X, Y, Z? Um, and it was a constant battle of walking the line of keeping her safe versus like trying to give her some sort of normal life. Um, she doesn't know a lot of people. Um, for a long time, after the first few months, like we started, like I needed my parents. I needed them. Um, so after the first few months, like we, we were, were around my parents um, and my siblings. Um, and then eventually we opened the circle. I was very conscious of who was allowed in the circle. Um, her godparents, who are our best friends. We like needed them for our sanity, um, for us as like adults who were having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And um, we wanted our daughter to know them. And um, eventually that expanded to two other of my husband's really, really close friends, a married couple. That was our, those were the only people we saw for a year. Um, and it became to, okay, mask, no mask. What do I do? Okay, great. Like, yes, I, I want her to be safe, but like, I don't want my kid to think that this is what people look like. Mm-hmm. And people that don't, aren't going through this don't think about that. Um, I don't want my, my, my kid to think that this is normal. This is what people look like, mm-hmm. especially people as important as her grandparents and her aunt and her, her aunt and her uncle and, um, you know, her godparents that, love her so much and just want to be around her um so that was just it was always it's the the decision fatigue is is the best phrase that i've ever heard to embody what it's like to be a parent yeah a new parent any parent Mm -hmm. um well even like not related covid COVID stuff you were probably just as a new parent like oh yeah (laughs) there's so many things and like so much advice coming from you and just things that get outdated um oh (laughs) i don't even want to think you know what i was noticing that when you said the in terms of being able to recognize people like with masks on or not masks on i even know that just from my own experience because i started going to a coffee shop after like after and during covid like where everyone was wearing masks so there was a lady that works behind the counter who i'd only met with a mask on and then only like in the last two months have i seen her without a mask and it's just like it's a new person so it's it, i actually it totally get what you're saying especially for a child who's out of because in my head it seems like it's not a big deal but when i've seen it in that experiment like that it is a different person to me so for a child yeah. that would make perfect sense they would be have difficult identifying with, yeah. with that it's a different face it's a different everything that makes perfect sense yeah although i did yeah. see something um or maybe i heard it on the radio um that babies covid babies are going to be really good have like high emotional intelligence from like learning how to read people's eyes because that's all they got <laughs> um maybe she'll be in like the fbi yeah. and like be like a lie detector well, that would be there so, we go. so who knows if that was just somebody silver lining somebody <laughs> trying to find something good out of it um but i've been seeing on tiktok a lot of videos of like babies being in like a supermarket for the first time and them just like 
it's a whole world like have you like when you started to take your daughter out maybe like in the summer when things started to like look okay like was she like <laughs> stepping into Oz and seeing color for the first time yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I had this, the fir- oh my God. I get freaked out every time I even think about this. The first time I brought this child to the grocery store, first of all, I have, I don't leave the house with her. So I'm like, what the hell do I even put in this diaper bag? There's like <laughs> clothes from, you know, once she was a newborn that don't fit because I never brought her out of the house. Um, so I'm at the grocery store, like finally, like summed up the courage when she was probably, I don't know, somewhere between like six and eight months old. Um, finally went and I go I have like my Clorox I wipe down the whole um the shopping cart I put her shopping cart cover on I um put her in we're walking through um and I turn around for half a set literally to like grab something off a counter and this child has turned around completely and is sucking on the back of the grocery <laughs> cart and oh my word. I Oh, I screamed so loud because I'm like, oh, my God, all of the lengths that I have gone through to keep you safe. And now you're going to get COVID from a freaking grocery cart. Freaked out, screamed. Now she's screaming because I scared the shit out of her. (laughs) And now we're walking through this, like, both just a complete mess. She's screaming. I'm upset. I think that she's got COVID grocery cart. Oh, my God. It was terrible. Like, my husband had to pick her up and walk around with her. Yeah. So... (laughs) If that answers your question. Um, well, yeah, so she, she doesn't seem scared. She seems uh, very curious, which is good. Yeah, she, and she she is. Um, bringing her new places, she's pretty good. People, she is less less good with. Mm. She doesn't want to be looked at. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. she's She's been better recently. Um, but for a while, um, like people could, like, we have this one friend who, um, our friend Nick, who, who's one of the, the two people who were in that bubble, that original bubble. He can't wave to her. He, she freaks out. Aww. Like, and she was, uh, he was somebody that was in the bubble, but like wasn't often enough. Like even that, she freaks out every time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So never mind completely new people. Um. It's 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 hard. She had like I. She was already like behind the eight ball with social skills because I'm her mother. <laughs> so forget like forget the COVID aspect of it. Um, I pray that she gets her father's social. Can skills. I ask a, a silly? Uh, I don't know if it's a silly question, but about postpartum. Postpartum. Mm-hmm. I say that right. You say having a baby. You're referring to the birthing the process. Birthing process. Yeah. Okay. Postpartum so is depression is specific to pregnancy. Understood. So it's it's about the physical. Mm-hmm. aspect of giving birth okay because i was going to say would there be an equivalent to the other person in the relationship who is not uh who is not the person who's not giving birth, birth. Is, it, is there a post not i guess postpartum I, uh, postpartum is specific like it's a hormonal thing but i'm sure there's other anxiety disorders for okay. being a new I just parent explain for the folks at home because i know we were yeah. saying having a baby so i just want to make sure yeah. that, that that is that, a that's specific uterus having yes <laughs> that <makes sense>. depression <laughs> oh okay yeah i like to clarify for the folks at home who know not a lot of stuff like me that's that's sure. what i was trying to do <laughs> that's why that's why i'm <laughs> on the program yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely um with the faces thing as you're saying that i'm like oh maybe we should make like a youtube video of just like different faces that babies can just watch and well, television get you no but like different <laughs> expressions like close up so and like faces that like are yeah. made at babies because those are like not normal faces <laughs> that people make <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Or you could just, just got to get used to it somehow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you could just Skype people, or I mean, Skype. You could just FaceTime people and do. Yeah, that. but who's got time for that? Just throw it on YouTube. I think you would do that professionally if it was an option. Oh, I would absolutely talk to babies. Get you on, on a video I'll chat call, and yeah. make faces at children. <laughs> <laughs> Need a new face to practice yeah, I think on. You would do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about postpartum issues that are not COVID related? Yeah. Um, so I think that there's, like I said before, I have definitely specific triggers that are completely unrelated to COVID and just more related to the kind of person that I am. Um, I am very type A, um, which is really tough when you have a kid because nothing goes as planned when you have a kid, literally ever. <laughs> um, so that was one one trigger. So whenever something doesn't go perfect like all I want is like it's a beautiful Saturday I just want to wake up go to the beach like have a fantastic day let her be in the water and she wakes up and she's cranky or she um didn't sleep at all at night like whenever we go through a sleep regression that's a whole nother trigger the whole like sleep regression thing is really really hard on me um like what why why right like <laughs> so it's it's I don't know you just want to be this perfect mom and like provide these perfect outings for your kid and it um all you want to do is just have these fantastic days and like nothing ever goes as planned so that's that's one thing for me um getting over like that perfectionist attitude um to to kind of touch on the sleeping thing um my daughter's been sleep trained since she was three months old and she's been a fantastic sleeper since she's been three months old. There's sleep regressions, which come, God, it feels like one after the next, where basically they are, um, they have issues sleeping suddenly, due, usually due to some sort of like mental or, or physical development. So um, leaps, they generally call them. So the most recent one was when she was around 15 months old, and she went from sleeping 12 hours a night to not sleeping like overnight um and it's like you're sleep trained and you're so tired why are you broken like what <laughs> what what's the problem like I don't understand so yeah. those nights um are one of the hardest things for me to deal with like I would like literally be in bed and like just it would just hit me and I would just have a full-blown anxiety attack and like my husband would have to like be on damage control like I just could not I just don't get it. Like, I don't do well with no sleep. Um, so those, that's, like, a specific trigger for me. Um, meeting milestones and social media um, are really hard. So I have recently gone through my phone and deleted a lot of the photos and videos that I took of me trying to make her crawl because they remind me of some of my my worst moments as a mom um she crawled late and I really felt like you know what it, it was hard like why why aren't you crawling like you're already uh, seven eight nine ten months old you're still not crawling like why you should have done this already and then you see on social media the baby that's five months younger than her crawling like why um and it's really hard not to compare so social media is really really hard um in general and, and comparing so the crawling thing like I, I try not to think about it and thank god like once she picked it up and she really learned a lot of her motor skills quickly I was a lot less tense about it um 
when I went when she was learning to walk when I was waiting for her to learn to walk so I do think I learned from that experience at least but I do have a have struggles with like meeting milestones um I'm trying to think I also have like I don't know I don't know have you ever heard of intrusive thoughts oh yeah oh sure we've had a couple people with um obsessive compulsive disorder on yeah so this is something that comes with postpartum um, depression a lot of people get it it's terrifying and it also really makes you feel like you're insane Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so intrusive thoughts to me or like you know just from for a, a broad like definition are you know these thoughts that like pop in your head for no reason that are absolutely terrible um like worst case scenario and you and like you you can't get it out of your head and it doesn't mean you want them to happen um it's just these your like deepest fears like manifesting in your mind Mm -hmm. so i i had that a lot in terms of her getting hurt like around the house Mm. um so that was that still happens oh yeah we've spoken to uh folks about intrusive thoughts what i've learned from it is that you know a lot of people will have thoughts or like uh, bad uh, moments, uh, ideas that'll come into their head or, or things. And, and sometimes it even sounds like it's coming from, uh, you know, it, it, it's difficult for people because when they don't coincide with what your feelings are, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think that, like, or I don't believe this or I don't, do it almost feels like you said, it starts to make you feel like you're losing your mind because it feels like there's somebody else in your head. Um, and w- exactly. what a lot of people were explaining it or uh, the best way to explain it is like, Everyone has these from time to time in terms of like a thought that comes to your mind that feels a little bit out of left field. But th- the amount of weight that it g- has on you is kind of what would rise it to the level of, of what you would consider like an intrusive thought or, uh, you know, for someone maybe who has an obsessive compulsive disorder or, uh, you know, something in that vein of, of a real issue. And that, that's kind of what I learned from it is that the, it's kind of the weight that it has on you. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. C- they're they're like, th- at least for me, like they're the things of like your worst nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't get it out of your head. Yeah. So that's not Yeah, I, I think that, that intrusive thoughts kind of go hand in hand with anxiety disorders. I get them a lot, too. And it's almost always, like, if Ricky leaves the house, I'm like, well, he's going to die a very bloody, horrific, fiery death. And, like, I can't. Yep. Like, why would I, like, have all of this, like, specific detail of what The bloody I didn't know happen. about. I didn't know about the bloody part. That's a... That's yeah, yeah. That's just, um, now I'm not gonna get. Now I'm not gonna have that stuck in my head. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. But it means I care. I know. I know. Um, I, know. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Um, that's that's the worst part about it. Yeah, but there, you know, I talked to my own therapist about it because it was it's, COVID totally exacerbated that. Like, I totally have separation anxiety from Ricky now, just from us being together, just the two of us for so long now. Um, yeah. But I. I had been talking to my therapist about removing the power from the intrusive thought and um he gave me this great advice to visually just imagine a stop sign to like interrupt your own intrusive thought um and that's been helpful for me i don't know if it works for everybody but just to remove the power that it has and I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people are embarrassed of the intrusive thoughts that they have, so they don't like to talk about it, yeah. especially a lot of them are, like, sexual in nature or violent. Um, 
so people are embarrassed about it but and not and not uh not who they are as a person no they don't yeah, rep- they're not representative not so you don't want to give them any sort thought. of yeah giving them any sort of credence by analyzing them can make people think that they uh you know that they're giving yeah. them some sort of credit or some sort of validity when it's not the not not the case at all yeah so and like i we don't have kids so like i i, I don't know what that like love and worry is like yet but i can't i cannot imagine <laughs> oh yeah it's probably 10 times worse than what i worry when ricky just leaves the house i, know, I can't imagine <laughs> don't worry i still have that too i also think my husband's gonna die in a fiery crash but <laughs> you know while while my daughter's doing something really dangerous around the house at the same time yeah. so yeah. everyone's just up just to no tons good of fun <laughs> everybody <laughs> everybody so how have you how did you manage this throughout the whole thing because i imagine this was a pretty lonely experience but were you able to talk about it with people and address it yeah um so my husband's fantastic um and very understanding so obviously he's the go-to generally um i also have a group of mom friends um, who all have babies around the same age which if I could give anybody advice for a new parent is like find your mom squad because they understand things that people that aren't in our life position don't. Mm-hmm. We're all pandemic moms. Like we all, everything that I've talked about, like they all have experienced it in one way or another and, or some other things. So um, thankfully a friend of mine that I went to school with like put this group together and we've all been like friends since. And oh, that's great. It, it's v- yeah. it's very very helpful to ha- to make you feel like you're not the only insane person yeah. going through this mm-hmm. because otherwise it's really isolating especially like when you know covid first started in those first few months where there was no interaction there was no mommy and me classes what's that um you know none of the, like no photo shoots no like showing her off like no no not i can't even like i i just wanted to bring her to the park and have an old lady tell me how cute she yeah, was you, you, <laughs> got, you had all of those the, simple joys you got all of the negatives of having a child and and well and I, i'm not gonna say none of the positives because of course you have a child but you know what I mean, all of the <laughs> all of the fringe benefits essentially that come with having yeah. a child all of the even the simplest yeah. things like that like just wanting a little old lady to tell me how cute my baby is mm-hmm. right 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 that makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah. Well, it's one of the reasons why it's we're, lu- we're lucky to have you on the show is because I think ex- sharing this experience in the way that you have would, would it'll hopefully be helpful to folks that are listening that, you know, may have had similar experiences or know somebody who may have had a similar experience and maybe they're able to understand that a little bit better. You know, and it, it's not easy to have these types of conversations just casually. So to, to have somebody yeah. to listen in on something like this, I think is very helpful. Yeah. And it's funny. That's the goal. It's funny, like the things that you look forward to, like the little things like that like as you said that i'm like oh i I think i think about a lot of things like that like when i think about oh yeah i want to have a baby one day but i also am like really excited to go maternity clothes shopping one day like (laughs) it's great they're so comfortable (laughs) but very true but i I, i'm sorry that you were robbed of those things so do do people ever undermine those experiences uh yeah um to go back to the family members that weren't necessarily so understanding um to keep it vague because uh, i don't want to spend too much time on mm-hmm. it um while we were talking to them one day i was like explaining some of these feelings and explaining like you know some reasons for why i may have been acting a certain way which was stressed and anxious um and i was told that i needed to stop acting like i was the first person in the world to have a baby mm-hmm. i will as long as I live, 
especially considering the person who this was that said that to me, I will never, ever, ever forget that as long as I live. And I have not talked to that person um, in a long time. Yeah. It's so dismissive. Because you're going through... It just the even pandemic aside, just the trauma of having a baby and the huge life change. The advice that people give, uh, I don't. They're just clueless. Yeah, yeah, clueless is the right word. Like I, that's really annoying that somebody would say that to you. Uh, did you have any other advice or comments that people made throughout this journey, or even just not even COVID, just like as a new mom? Like any advice to give people to not give advice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is the toxic positivity thing that I like to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's terrible. The the telling people, like if, if you are somebody who has somebody that's close to you, that comes to you like expressing these feelings and you answer with, well, you know, they're not going to be this little like enjoy every moment. Like do not say that. Because all that does is make me feel like a bad mom because I'm not enjoying every moment. Mm-hmm. Nobody enjoys being up for four hours when your baby's screaming and you haven't slept in 48 hours and there's shit on the wall because she's got explosive diarrhea. <laughs> like, nobody enjoys that. Yeah. Nobody. I don't care who you are. So, like, stop telling me that my feelings are invalid and that, like, it's making me feel like it's weird and I'm a bad mom because... I'm not enjoying every moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really undermines how hard it is to be a, a, a parent in general, but to a newborn. I mean, I, I don't even like taking care of puppies and I like puppies. I can't imagine what it's a baby. Oh, <laughs> I had a puppy. I got a puppy at the same time. Oh, oh my God. I know about that too. Oh yeah. Seemed like a great idea at the time. Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I just, uh, uh, that I don't get. I don't know why you did that. Different topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, they're growing together. So that's probably adorable. Oh, it's adorable. But and now well, I understand you, it. The thing it, is it. It was <laughs> worth it. Of course, it's, it's, it's yeah. all positive and negative. It's all mixed in there. That's what that's what kind of yeah. we're saying yeah. here. It's, it's all, there's all And then when experience. they do that, those that's cute little things, is. like she little tugs on his ear and he goes like, hmm, that's oh, when it's worth it. So cute. <laughs> that's what we're yeah. talking about, though. It's all, there's all, all the mixed in. Things. But then also there's times you don't yeah. like it. It's all... Like when my uh, 90 pound mastiff puppy gets the zoomies and zoomies right into my daughter and flips her up in the That's air. Right. Great times. That's right. <laughs> oh. just, really br- just bring the intrusive the thoughts to life. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real life thing. <laughs> I don't have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she means well. She's they're They're, they're good. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a good idea. It, it is a good it's idea. All, <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> so how uh, how are you feeling now? How's the baby now? How are you doing? Um, it comes in waves, um, you know, in a lot of, a lot of ways I'm better, like with the, the milestone things, um, I'm better. Um, I definitely still struggle with the, like the type A perfectionist thing. Um, and I, I'm more aware of it, so I'm trying to be aware of it. But once I'm in that and once I like start on the spiral of like everything's going wrong, it's very hard for me to get out of it still. Um, the intrusive th- thoughts are still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. Like maybe with She's... parenthood, they kind of will always be there. That you're just always yeah. going to be anxious. I think that's what my mom yeah. always said. Like, she never goes to sleep soundly. And she's got six kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could not imagine. 
I could not imagine yeah. because just the one is it's it's hard. Um, you know, she's great. She's she's a good baby, but being a good baby doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. Um, it's not. She's not always all rainbows and sunshine. Um, despite what like you may see posted on the internet, which brings me back to the social media thing. Um, it it can be very difficult, especially now that like you know, now we have this Delta variant and it's like starting, I feel like, you know, you finally started to feel okay. And now we're right back at square one and it's feeling like every decision is life or death again. So it's, it is very, you know, it comes and goes and it's very cyclic. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like in terms of social media, you're, you've been very honest throughout your journey. Like I remember you use like the hashtag rainbow baby when you announced your pregnancy and you were, very transparent about it being really hard with COVID, but then you also post like the adorable pictures of her smiling and giggling. So I think that there's a lot of value to that. I think some people, um, and like I get it too, when I talk too much about like Crohn stuff, people will be like, oh, or are you looking for attention? Like, what do you want me to say? And that's, that's not really the point. Like I think that more people yeah. need to hear the actual stories and to hear about the bad days too along with the good cute milestone days and that it's not uh, like you said it's not always you know sunshine and rainbows and that it is life in general is hard <laughs> yeah I I try to be really honest about it for a couple of reasons like once I had the feeling that I did when somebody posted their child crawling when I my child wasn't like I make an effort to not post milestones anymore um, not specific anyway, like you may see a video of her walking, but like, I'm never going to say like age, you know, 11 months and three days took first steps. Like I'm never going to do that because I know how those thoughts, how those posts, um, affected me. And I would never want to intentionally, um, do that to somebody else. Mm. And like, I have reached out to people, even people that like are acquaintances at this point, but have like announced that they had a child and they posted either like they're in the NICU or, you know, they post some sort of, like, graphic about, like, postpartum depression or um, taking time for themselves. And, like, I will always message those people and be like, hey, I haven't spoken to you in 10 years, but I just want to let you know that this is valid and it's okay. Mm. Um, or, like, I'm sorry that your kid's in the NICU. Like, I've been there, like, if, if you need anything. Um, I've done that several times. Um, and, like, I, I just really, really like to reach out to those people and just let them know, like these are the things that could be coming and it's normal and like you're posting this so this probably means that you're feeling at least something like you know it, it's okay it's normal yeah that's great and that's why we have the show too to just kind of normalize that these things happen and that it's okay and that you're not alone and that let's talk about it more and, and not to like normalize bad things happening but it does happen so it's no, let's talk about it right to not to normalize it. it to make it any less impactful <laughs> or important to a person's life, but to understand to how normalize other people are actual going talking about it. And to uh, maybe the discussion of them, yeah. Because yeah. I think that's the let's thing. make it not taboo. Because the idea, yeah, the idea of normalizing yeah. a bad thing is not to to take anything away from a person who's experiencing a bad thing because it is still tremendously impactful to an individual. You know what I'm saying? Because the way that you make it sound, it's it's not that you're making it on purpose, but <laughs> the you know you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to say like uh, you know. You know, I, everyone goes through this, so it's not a big deal. You're everyone should be in the NICU. You're saying that everybody <laughs> that experiences these things is to discuss it is, yeah. is to, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just, just generally to make people more uh, easier to, dis like, live with one another. To have more, yeah. generally to make everyone more sympathetic rather than to make everyone feel less. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what, I guess that's what kind of what we mean by that. Yeah. yeah. So I think that... Um, 
a lot of people like before they have kids they're like yeah i'm gonna have 18 children and going to live happily ever after so I it, not to be like Sawa you having another one because that's also really <laughs> annoying uh, but did this experience change your plans for that what you had like did you because like, I could see this going both ways that like no I'm never having another child ever again that was enough or the opposite of oh I want to still have those experiences though so did you have any of those kind of feelings yeah yeah and that's pretty much like exactly what you said is a very good description of how i feel about it like i feel both i can understand both like i don't ever want to go through the NICU experience again i never want to see my child on a ventilator again um i don't want to leave my child in the hospital again and i worry about those things um but in the same regard i want to do the things that i missed and i want to do them and involve charlie like if i have another child like i do them together um, so she still has them. Obviously, it's not the same. Like, if I do newborn childs with my newborn and include my however old she is at that time, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, including her. So I, I want to do that. Um, the thing that, like, I'm most afraid of is just knowing that, like, I have, I already am so anxious and have had these feelings. And, you know, I, I've had a handful of really, really bad days that have made me feel awful um, and not like a good mom Mm -hmm. and I worry about like that even being worse now that I have two um I mean we do want more kids I I we plan to have more kids we plan to have more kids you know in the near future um but I would be lying if I said I didn't have any concerns about it Mm -hmm. yeah I think people need to be more open about that too that it it sounds really scary to have one but to have two I, I don't know how people do it, <laughs> but um, I'm glad that you're not discouraged from the trauma that you experienced. I think that's really great, but, um, and I know that you're not 100% out of the woods yet with all of this stuff, but it seems like you're in a pretty good place for the hand that you've been dealt and that you're continuing to go through. So I guess I want to know if there's anything about this experience that you wish that other people knew about maybe new moms yeah I think just kind of touching base on what we you know what we talked about before like my big thing to new moms and the reason that I reach out to new moms where I see like these cryptic messages is because I want them to like know that they're not the only ones because for a long time I felt like I was the only one um and part of that was because of the pandemic and I couldn't see anybody um but I think that's a normal feeling like it's being a new mom is really really isolating so to anybody that feels that way and feels like a bad mom because they feel that way you are not a bad mom love that um I think there's like this separate message to the people that are the friends of those people who are you know dealing with them um and that just brings me back to the toxic positivity brings me back to the toxic positivity thing um and in my experience, I appreciate the realness more and you saying like, wow, you didn't sleep last night. That's terrible. How can I help? Not, oh, I hope you enjoyed that moment or whatever. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. like, sounds ridiculous even saying right, that. Right. Like how that's even a response is beyond me. But um, to those people just saying like, it's okay to say, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And you're not the first person to say, let's acknowledge the trauma. So let's, let's get that going. Yeah. I like it. 
Well, thank you so much for... New sticker for you. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I got to design one this week. Uh, (laughs) So thanks. We'll give give Kelly credit on that one. (laughs) But you've really, you've touched upon so many issues, not only with the pandemic, but also just issues that new moms and people experience in parenthood. Um, So thank you for opening your heart to us because these are still kind of fresh wounds that you're you're dealing with but is there anything else that you wanted to share about your experience today thank thank you guys for uh for giving everybody a platform to talk about these things and specifically for me to to share this with people who may need to hear it um may need to be comforted by the fact that they are not the only person and they're not crazy and they're not a bad mom so thank you guys for And, uh, oh, oh, thank you for the sick invite. (laughs) (laughs) Yay!